0: This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com.
1: Where news breaks first. News Radio
0: 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White.
2: Good morning. It's 47 degrees at 9.04. The forecast today, partly sunny, struggling to get to 60. Should be in the mid to upper 60s this time of year. And speaking of cold, almost the entire state of New York as well as the northern tier of Pennsylvania, are under a frost advisory or some sort of freeze warning for overnight tonight, actually early tomorrow morning. The National Weather Service in Binghamton has issued a frost advisory from 1 a.m. to 8 a.m. Friday for all of central New York, the southern tier, and the northern tier of Pennsylvania. Officials say cold temperatures are expected overnight to dip into the 30s. With a calm wind, areas of frost, and even possibly a freeze in some of the coldest spots, is possible. In the advisory statement, NOAA is projecting temperature to be as low as 33 degrees resulting in frost formation tender plants especially succulents that contain a large percentage of moisture in their leaves and stalks are susceptible to damage or total loss if they are left uncovered house plants that have been enjoying the summer outside should be brought in or at least placed undercover gardens and crops at risk should be covered with a light cloth Authorities are investigating the death of a woman whose body was discovered after a fire broke out in an Endicott home. The blaze on Taylor Avenue on the village's north side was reported around 8.30 a.m. yesterday when a neighbor saw smoke coming from the two-story house. Officials say the fire was confined to a front bedroom on the second floor. That's where the woman's body was found. The woman was the only occupant of the house. There were no reported injuries to firefighters. No injuries are being reported after fire damaged a mobile home in eastern Broome County last evening. Broome County Emergency Services officials say firefighters from Windsor, Aquaga, Harpersville were called to the home on East Windsor Road shortly before 6.30 last evening with an initial report that there were possibly people trapped. Inside, Crews arriving on the scene reported, though, everyone had safely gotten out and the blaze was found in the kitchen in the stove area with possible spread into the wall. The fire was out in less than a half hour, but the investigators were called to that location. No word on extent of damage to that home. WMBF News Time 906. New York State Police say a Norwich man is accused of stabbing two people in Shenango County during the course of a domestic incident. 22-year-old Corey Sawyer is charged with two felony counts of attempted murder, two felony counts of assault, and four misdemeanor counts of endangering the welfare of a child. Authorities say Sawyer is accused of stabbing an adult and a 17-year-old with a knife just before 1.30 a.m. yesterday during a domestic dispute on State Route 80 in the town of Otzilik. Troopers say, meanwhile, there were three other children under the age of 17 also in the home. State police say both of the victims sustained non-life-threatening injuries but were seriously hurt. They were taken to Shenango Memorial Hospital, then transferred to Wilson Hospital in Johnson City. They were last reported in stable condition. Sawyer was also transported to Shenango Memorial Hospital for treatment of injuries sustained prior to the trooper's arrival. After treatment, Sawyer was released and placed into custody. Sawyer was sent to the Shenango County Jail on $250,000 bail. He's to appear in court again next week. WMBF Time 907. A road that links Westover with the northwest end of Johnson City that's been closed, inconveniencing motorists for weeks, could be reopened today. Oakdale Road between Harriel Drive in the Village and Main Street in Westover has been closed since September 6th, while an old railroad bridge was being replaced. The L.C. Whitford Company of Wellsville, which oversaw the project for Norfolk Southern Railway, removed the 65,000-pound open-deck steel bridge last week. Job Superintendent Dean Ingle says a new 140,000-pound replacement is wider. Rail traffic was suspended for about 16 hours for the bridge replacement. Ingle says the new span came from a steel company near Pittsburgh, while well, the steel from the old bridge was sent to the Ben Weitzman Scrap Metal Yard in Owego. WMBF News Time. 908. Some historical battle reenactors in New York are holding the musket fire because of worries over the state's new gun rules. That's kind of an unplanned side effect of the law designed to protect the public. The law that went into effect this month declares parks, government property, and a long list of other sensitive places off-limits to guns. The rules were geared more for semi-automatic pistols and rifles than flintlocks, but reenactors who fear being arrested if they publicly restage battles from the colonial era to the Civil War are Staying off the field. Governor Kathy Hochul's administration insists the historical battle reenactments are still okay, and some still have taken place this month. But persistent skepticism among event organizers and participants has resulted in some cancellations, like an 18th century encampment and battle reenactment planned for last weekend north of Saratoga Springs. A reenactor said, quote, we've been getting reports from units that were supposed to attend that they don't feel comfortable transporting muskets or bringing muskets to the site. So at that point, we decided it was probably not going to go ahead. WMBF Time 909. Welcome. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast partly sunny today, a high in the upper 50s tonight. Partly cloudy, some patchy fog after midnight. Then we have a frost advisory in effect from 1 a.m. tomorrow till 8 a.m. tomorrow with frost possible forming in the colder, low-lying areas for the early morning hours. A low tonight getting into the mid to upper 30s. Starting off tomorrow, patchy frost, otherwise mostly sunny, a high in the mid-60s. Saturday... Partly cloudy and a slight chance of showers, a high in the low to mid-60s. Sunday, partly sunny, a high in the mid-60s. And Monday, mostly sunny, a high in the low to mid-60s. Currently, 47 in Binghamton. It's 11 past 9, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio
1: twelve.
3: I'll do it live, if I must. Well, now, of course, I could record it ahead of time and then sleep in every Thursday morning, but that's not how we operate here. Bob Joseph, WNDF, September 29th. Almost the end of the year. Wow, 2022 has really sailed by. 607-772-1290 is the number if you wish to speak out about the storm or about anything else. Again, the number 607-772-1290. Email Bob at WNBF.com. Hurricane Ian causing trouble in much of Florida this morning with millions of people without power. A lot of people dealing with wind and water damage. And the assessments are only getting underway as Ian slowly moves north. Other states, of course, also will be threatened. With some flooding and potentially high winds... Hurricane Ian has now been downgraded to a tropical storm as it makes its exit from the so-called Sunshine State. And for our listeners who may be tuned in to the program, if you're in Florida or anywhere in the southeast, we uh, certainly wish you the best. We've been in touch with correspondents in Florida And at least the people I've spoken with this morning are doing well, thankfully. They're doing well. And that's what we hope will continue to be the case for the majority of people in Florida. But obviously many, many Floridians are affected by the hurricane. We'll continue to provide coverage to you today and in the coming days right here at News Radio WNBF. It's nine Let's take our first call du jour. Morning, WNBF. What's your first name? Where are you calling from?
4: This is Hunter. I'd like to talk about my laptop.
3: <laughs> uh, I want to talk about the hurricane because so many people have had to deal with it. Now, I mentioned on Wednesday's program that we potentially would be speaking with David Nicosia from the National Weather Service on Friday's program. At this point it may not really be necessary. I still may invite him on the program to see if he wants to uh, offer some of his observations. He's been a long time forecaster so he's seen all sorts of weather events over the years. So potentially we'll have him on. As far as uh, what will be happening in the Binghamton area going forward in the next 48 to 72 hours, the bottom line is not much. I know these days, um, given the events that have happened here in the Binghamton area, uh, many people, every time they hear something about a hurricane or a tropical storm, or a tropical system, suddenly a little shiver runs up your back because you're thinking, well, will it have any effect on this region? Bottom line is it appears not much, if any. Uh, If you go down to the New York City area, New Jersey, Connecticut, further east and further south, There will be some rain over the weekend. Here's the official forecast from the National Weather Service. Partly sunny today, high 59. Tonight, partly cloudy. There will be patchy fog and, believe it or not, patchy frost, low 37. Mostly sunny tomorrow, high 65. The weekend forecast, mostly cloudy with a slight chance of showers, high 63. Partly sunny Sunday, high 64. And right now, in downtown Binghamton, let's see if we can... Mercury keeps gumming up in our old thermometer here. I'm going to replace it with new mercury. (sighs) Because we do have a a new dose of mercury coming up. Should be in by next week. Anyway, looks like it's 52 here in downtown Binghamton. At News Radio WNBF, one thing to... um, Consider is a frost advisory now has been posted for our region. The frost advisory will be in effect from 1 to 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. This covers uh, places, great places like Broome, Tioga, Shenango, Cortland, Delaware, and Sullivan counties, Otsego, also many counties in Pennsylvania, some of my favorite counties, including Bradford, Susquehanna, Wayne, Wyoming, Lackawanna, Luzerne, Pike, uh, all included in the frost advisory for early tomorrow morning. The frost could kill sensitive vegetation if left uncovered. So as I've said before, if you have sensitive vegetation, first try to consult an expert. whose help is available to deal with their sensitivities. The other thing is, when there's a frost advisory, cover it up. Because we wouldn't want your sensitive vegetation to be adversely affected by the frost. It's 918. Let's take a call. Larry in Kirkwood. Good morning.
0: Fair
5: Good morning, sir.
3: And what be happening?
5: <laughs> well, thinking about my loved ones, a couple of loved ones who are in Florida who who live there. When it was my brother Rick, and one's my aunt Justine. And sure hope they're all all right. I mean, I'm glad to hear this. The hurricane's been downgraded to a tropical storm, but wow. Mm.
3: Well, yeah, that we still know. doesn't mean the danger is gone. I mean, there yeah. still will be copious amounts of rain and still some strong winds. The people I was talking to, my loved ones in Florida. Uh, spoke with them uh, just over an hour ago, and um, they said, well, at that point, the winds seemed to be only about 10 miles an hour, but they said the forecast for later in the day would be some uh, winds of 60 miles an hour. So, yeah, still, the next several hours in many parts of Florida will be problematic. They were pleased because their power was still on, and they didn't experience any flooding at that point, but Hey, with, uh, with the power grid, you never know. I mean, anything yeah, yeah. anything can happen when it's when you're dealing with uh, wind and water and even the potential for uh, tornadoes as well. Even as the hurricane continues yeah, to, yeah, to move, true. tornadoes become in a potential issue.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway,
5: I'll make an attempt later on to call my brother, see if he's okay, he and his wife, and... Uh and their two sons. So, anyway.
3: All right. Well, I'm you, I'm hoping you I'm, about them. Yeah, I'm hoping most of uh, everyone's loved ones, friends, acquaintances, uh, whoever yeah. you know in there Florida, hopefully most of them will do okay. <laughs> I mean, obviously we've seen seen some of the pictures and, you know, the the video is uh, is disturbing, and some of the accounts are disturbing. We'll keep people posted yeah. and let people know what's going on. I appreciate your uh, calling in. Who knows? Maybe, maybe some people in this area will ultimately organize some relief efforts to help our friends in in Florida yeah. who've been affected that, by Hurricane that. Ian. That would be a nice gesture on the yeah, part of that people in being a thinking. very
6: good idea. They
5: need all the help they can get. Certainly. Okay. That's Have a good day, guys. Bless you, man.
3: Thanks 921 Bob Joseph on your side. It's Thursday morning. We're live and local, 607-772-1290. You're listening to news radio, WNBF 92.1 FM and 1290 AM. Of course, always available for free on that WNBF app. Binghamton School Alert Binghamton School Alerts Will they close your school? Hey, teacher, keep my school open. Come on, man. We want schools to stay open, man. Don't close my neighborhood school.
1: of
3: Of course, it's not the teacher's fault, you know. You know who's responsible. Anyway, uh, Binghamton School District are moving rapidly now to close facilities. Will they close your neighborhood school? Well, I suppose they will do what they want to do because that's how they operate. Uh, this uh, just in, I notice on... Binghamtonhomepage.com, dot Our friends over at News Channel Thirty Four, the legendary team led by Jim Emke. Uh, story posted by Roy Santa Cruz, um, and it was apparently it was posted at five fifteen p.m. on Wednesday, but I I've just uh, been advised of it now about the Binghamton. S- City school districts continuing to hold public forums about the plan to close a school. Will they close a school or more than one school? Who knows? They're the Binghamton City School District. They, they're they like the phone company. Sort of. They, they do what they want, when they want. With, well, I mean, obviously. Well, we're going to c- conduct public forums because what you have to say matters to us. We'll listen. Remember when Hillary Clinton showed up in New York State, fresh from Arkansas, for listening sessions? We know about listening. According to this story at BinghamtonHomePage.com, the feasibility study is a review of the elementary buildings to determine their physical condition, which means in many cases you know which schools have been ignored over the last decade or so. Also, attendance trends for future generations. The district says the current condition of Roosevelt Elementary School on the north side requires the building either be closed or be rebuilt. Well, don't see them rebuilding it, do you? The six scenarios proposed include closing Roosevelt on the north side, which always seems to get short shrift. Look at the um, Shenango Arch project that drags on. Well, into its second year. Well, we'll close Shenango Street for 13 months and not tell you what the heck we're doing because you're the north side. You are not like the others. You don't live on the west side or the east side or the south side. You, unfortunately, live on the north side, so we treat you differently. Well, of course they do. The story says some people expressed concern that the district included uh, kindergarten enrollment figures from the pandemic years when reviewing the plans to close down a school. So anyway, they they might, they claim one of the scenarios would be uh, closing Roosevelt and sending students to other schools Rebuilding Roosevelt, moving kids to another school during construction, then closing Wilson, Jefferson, or Mann, or finally rebuilding Roosevelt and not closing any schools. All right. Well, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying they've already decided what they're going to do. I'm just saying they will do. (laughs) They will do what they want to do. Anyway, according to the story from News Channel 34, a couple of public forums. um, One, I believe one is going to be today at 5.30 p.m. at Carlisle Hills Apartments. And a final forum will be held October 3rd at NOMA. So if you want to go to NOMA. If you want to go to NOMA and uh, speak your mind, by all means, go ahead. NOMA, which is short for no more. No more of this non-transparency. Look, you pay th- if you live in Binghamton and you own property, and even if you don't own property, even if you rent, you are paying a lot of money for those city schools, including the one that they're going to close, or who's to say they won't wind up closing too? because they are the city school district. They answer to no one. So when they decide to close down your kid's school, maybe that's why you even moved to Binghamton. Some people actually, when they move to a place, they take into account the educational system. And so you bought a house, or maybe you're renting an apartment, whatever, you've got some kids and you want them to get a fine education from the Binghamton City School District's team of excellent educators, and then come to find out, oh, we're going to close the school. Well, how come the superintendent didn't discuss it on the media? I don't know. It's not something that they do in Binghamton. 9.30 WNBF Binghamton serving the Northeast with your friend Bob Joseph who really is on your side. Good morning, caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from?
0: Whose side are you really on?
3: I'm on the side of the people because I represent America. All that's good about America is represented in this studio right now because I'm Bob Joseph. News Radio, WNBF. 92.1 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming live at WNBF.com. Your patriotic voice in a challenging time.
1: News Radio 1290
3: WNBF. News Radio WNBF. The true facts that you need so you can plan your day. 807 WNBM. Looking at the front page of the um, New York Today, and it's a Gannett production. Good story from Kate Collins over at Ithaca today. Um, not just a story. The headline is, Mourning the Loss of Reproductive Rights, but also... A Kate Collins photo from Ithaca. Abortion doula Rachel Belling speaking during the Bands Off Our Bodies rally in Ithaca. So Kate Collins, page one, Prime Real Estate, New York Today. And uh, well, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's nice to see it's nice to see local content. Huh. Very nice. Thank you. That's uh, on page one. Oh, here's a shocker. New York heating bills likely to surge this winter. Thomas Zambito from the Journal News, or as I call it, Westchester today. Uh, New York homeowners should hunker down for what's likely to be their most expensive winter heating bill since 2009. Home heating bills are going to surge. By the way, he didn't write it that way. That's me. A consummate radio host. Home heating bills are going to surge across New York State this winter. He didn't write gonna. But they will. They're gonna. Now, over the past few weeks, New York's utilities have been alerting customers to expect a bump in heating bills come November. They haven't been this high in more than a decade. The grim, grim forecast for heating bills has led... Beloved Governor Hochul to urge utilities across the the state to ensure an adequate supply of heating fuels are available in the coming months. I will say, if we wind up with a colder-than-usual winter, um, the outcome is not going to be pretty. And then people will have a, a reason to be probably mad at Brandon. I'm not saying it'll be his fault, but if it's not pretty, if you can't afford to heat your home... And your pipes freeze or you can't get food or whatever. It's hard to sleep when your house is like four degrees above zero. So I I would see people not being happy if that happens. Maybe if we're lucky, if we're fortunate, we may have a mild winter. These are just sound effects, folks. I... You know me; I could go out and actually buy a real newspaper, New York Today, for three fifty a copy. But I'm just using sound effects from my Radio Shack sound effect record. All right. Also, looking at today's uh, publication from the city, the Times of New York. Their big story, of course, is Hurricane slams Florida. Other stories, uh, pipeline blast called attack. The mystery is who did it. I am mystified, too, about these reports that somebody has targeted those giant natural gas pipelines from Russia to Germany. This story says the consensus hardened that it had been an act of sabotage. <sighs> Maybe it is. Maybe it's an act of sabotage. I don't know. I, this is one of those stories where I have more than a few questions. Now, I'm not saying that Putin's people didn't do it. I'm just saying I have a lot of questions, a lot of questions about what's going on with the pipelines. And again, you could say Putin's people have a reason to do it. They do. They're Putin's people, and nobody said Putin's people are good. But, I don't know. It seems like a little bit of a stretch, but maybe they'll have proof. What else is going on? All math scores in New York City reflect pandemic's disruption. They have new statistics that seem to indicate kids didn't learn much during the pandemic. The latest test results indicate that uh, the kiddos didn't learn much in terms of math during the pandemic, which stands to reason. Attempting to learn via Zoom, how can you learn math or much of anything else via Zoom? But unfortunately, that's. I guess we'll have a generation of challenged kiddos because. They weren't able to learn much during the pandemic. What else is going on here? Mm. Oh, a loss. This is uh, a big loss, of course. Bill Plant, Bill Plant, CBS News journalist. He was a White House correspondent for years. I was of the uh, opinion Bill Plant would never retire. Um, unfortunately, he did retire from CBS News. He he had worked at the CBS News operation for a long time. And, unfortunately, he died on Wednesday. Of course, I'm trying to see where the New York Times has tucked its obituaries today. I think the paper is... Messed up because of um, probably because of storm coverage. Let me see. I thought they would have a story about Bill Plant, but guess it didn't make the cut. The only way Bill Plant, great journalist for CBS News for more than a half century, he retired in 2016. Bill Plant died in D.C. on Wednesday. He was 84. Great journalist. It's 940 WNBF. Of course, also, we lost Coolio. Coolio died, and he was only 59. So the rap world is mourning the loss of our good friend Coolio. The cause of death hasn't been revealed. Let's take another call at 941. Our number is 607-772-1290. Victor from the Forks, good morning.
7: Good morning, Bob. You know, one thing for sure is you will never forget that number. Even if you get Alzheimer's in a nursing home 50 years from now, you'll still know that number.
3: The bottom line is, I mean, my final final breath, instead of saying Rosebud or Moxie, I'll be saying 607 772 uh, and let's hope he calls you, Bob.
7: Let's hope he calls you.
3: <laughs> anyway, what's on your mind, Vic? Uh,
7: you were talking about home heating, and, and you know we knew that was coming. I think everybody knows that's coming. And um,
3: is this is I, this Brandon's fault, in your opinion?
7: It doesn't matter whose fault it is. We have no control over it uh, uh, because. We're the little people. We, we can't control it. But, but yeah, it, it, it is Brandon's fault, but that's not what I called. If he opened up the pipelines and stuff like that, we'd be all set. But uh, he didn't do that. But that's not why I called. I called because of the political uh, uh, atmosphere behind this. Uh, remember a few months ago we got rebate checks for our taxes in the mail, you know, uh, uh, conveniently before the November election? Things like that.
3: Well, sure, it's a cynical ploy by Governor Hochul. Well, it doesn't matter why she did it. It's just well, it does it does matter? No, it does matter. You you touched on. It. You said timing. How well, yeah, come? Yeah, how come yeah, yeah, it happened? Yeah. Those checks usually come later in the year, right before the fall elections. Instead, Kathy Hochul sent out your rebate check shortly before her Democratic primary. So. I don't believe in coincidence.
7: Well, you're right. That's exactly what I meant when I said what I said, and you're 100% correct on that. But my point being, Bob, is uh, uh, instead of buying elections through, through the generosity of returning our own money to us, what they should have done was give us the rebate in December. Uh, when we can use it for those high heating bills, not, not in the middle of summer when, when we're going to spend it on barbecues, boating, and picnics.
3: And uh, knowing a lot of New Yorkers, probably weed.
7: Uh,
3: yeah,
7: but where's our elected officials? They know this is coming just like we do. You know, I mean, they talk about removing the thirty-three cent gas tax for a few months and stuff like that. But where are they? And yesterday, you know. Why aren't they passing a bill to protect New Yorkers that that says something along the lines of, hey, if you get behind in your gas payments, they can't turn your gas off. But you do have to pay it because you owe it. You know, you're not it's not like college students get ten thousand dollar forgiveness debt. But but why not? You know, generate a fund for that. You know, you get all this money coming into New York, and we're spending it in places that it don't need to be spent. Uh, you know, it's it's crazy. Where's our elected officials on this? Why are they always quiet, not not on TV, introducing legislation that would help New Yorkers? And I'm not talking about socialism. I'm talking about, yeah, you got it. You pay for it. But let's give us a little bit of leeway because protecting New Yorkers from high eating bills uh and getting their power turned off when it's ten below zero outside, uh, is something that we could look at and save lives with. But they're they're not here. Which like what John from Bantam said yesterday. Uh we got Senator Akshar who's afraid to say he's a Republican because he's trying to get votes from both sides. Uh you know, what's he done in and and his Tenure as a senator he yeah, sends
3: out mailings his his best job uh, 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 is sending mailings, out mail he uh, uh, sends out victor he sends out mailings at your expense he keeps sending what? out these mailings and i don't need an update from him at my expense if i need an update on what's going on in albany i'll listen to news radio wnbf for free
7: the funny thing about that update is everything on it, he did nothing except for vote for it. That's all he did. He didn't introduce any legislation. The only thing he did was uh, uh the Wall of Soldiers in Albany. Uh, the only thing he did was surveys that had no results. And, and now that he's been out of being a sheriff for eight years— uh, he wants to come back in and be our sheriff, and he'll have to be retrained. We already got him
8: very. But
3: remember, Vic, Vic. None of this is news because I was saying about eight years ago, about a minute after he was sworn in as senator, he's still coming back because he wants to be sheriff. He was yep. senator because, and I'll give I, I'll give credit where credit is due. He is a loyal. Republican, and when the Republicans needed somebody with no political baggage, no political baggage, he didn't have a record. Unlike Democrat Barbara Fiala, who had been uh, county clerk and then county executive, and then served for a time um, as the state DMV commissioner, she had political baggage because they could say, "Oh, high taxes and this and that." And you know, if if you're the Republican machine here in Broome County, what you needed in that case, as Tom Libbus, was unceremoniously removed from his job after nearly three decades, what you needed was somebody who was essentially um, a blank slate and, to boot, law enforcement, I mean, it was perfect. It was perfect, but it also was known and... Believe me, he never confided. Obviously, he doesn't confide in me. But it was cl- it was clear that this was just a brief timeout from his law enforcement career. That law enforcement—that was his career. Law enforcement was his life, and of course, it was no secret that he would one day come back and run for sheriff.
7: Well, Bobby, he, he says he's for the family. And, and that's not true because my brother Chucky was my family. And my brother Chucky was a junkie, and Fred Eckshar used my brother to make buys go out into drug houses. Even after my brother got out of rehab,
3: well, I don't want to talk about personal, personal situations. I mean, I'd be willing to discuss it with you off air, but and I'm I'm sorry for, um, and I'm sure we're talking about a sensitive area and. In your life and your family, but I, I don't think that's appropriate t- to talk about on this program. But sometime, um, if you want to talk off the air about what happened, well, he, he... I mean, we're all for family, especially. I'll tell you what, Vic. If I ever run for something, which I probably never would, but say if I ever run for something, I would be all about family too. We're all about family, you know. Charles Manson was about family, and doesn't make it right.
7: Yeah, but saying it and meaning it is two different
3: things. But that's always true. And again, I'm not picking on one particular candidate. I don't care what type of candidate or what you're running for. If you're going to do commercials in this day and age, of course, you're going to be about family. You're going to be against crime and and a few other things. And, of course, you support apple pie. Oh, Bob, um,
7: uh, you're right. He's collecting retirements. That's what he's doing. And he does have political baggage. You know, we all know that he had to put up an apologetic video about an affair he had. Uh, uh, But that brings me to this point. That one incident brings me to this point. The sheriff's department is not Match.com. You don't go in that office and do what he did. And uh, I think for that reason, and that's one of the big reasons I'm supporting Kathy Holcomb, and I'm a, I'm a diehard Republican. I've crossed party lines in the past, but I've met with Kathy Holcomb. I gave her money toward
3: her name campaign. is Kathleen Newcomb.
7: Or Kathleen Newcomb. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Kathy Holcomb. <laughs> but Kathleen Newcomb. I got to get that right because I am supporting her. I've I've given her close to a thousand dollars, and I'm going to get you know. I, I'm just going to support her in every way I can, and. uh
3: But, you know, you brought up the story about the Republican candidate for sheriff, and I'm looking back to May 2019. Heck, that was years ago. He said, in connection with, uh, remember, because at that time, in the spring of 2019, some people were calling for his resignation. And in his response, in that video that you referenced, that was posted to his official Senate Facebook page on a Sunday night, he said it was part of a concerted effort. He said it was the people who were calling for his resignation at that time uh, were part of a concerted, politically motivated smear attempt. It was a smear attempt, he said.
7: Well, I don't care what he said. It happened. Uh, He admitted to it in that video. I believe he admitted to the affair, said it was consensual in his argument. And uh, uh, I'm sorry, Bob, but the mother of a murder victim is in a different state of mind and an investigator should not get involved at that time, and it, and it happened, and and that's what we have to look at. Uh, uh, I I just think that we have a much better choice, and it and it's a woman who has Republican values, but is a Democrat. And isn't it time that we give a woman a chance to run our 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 sheriff's department? Isn't it time that we step out of the 18th century and, and bring a woman here who? who knows the job, who selected a great running mate uh, who has a lot of, a lot of police uh, back between the two of them. There's over 60 years in the sheriff's department and police department together as investigators. And uh, I I don't even know if Fred announced his running mate yet. Uh, It's probably something he's going to hand out as a political favor if he, if he wins. I, I don't know, but,
3: It's all legal. It's all legal. Our system, you may not like the system, Vic from the Forks, but it's all legal.
7: Bob, I liked Fred when I first met him and I backed him. If you remember right, I was running for the Senate when he ran, and I realized I did not stand a chance against him because he was a much better public speaker.
3: It was an, I mean, I remember I was part of the the one debate between uh, Fred Akshar and Barbara Fiala up at Carpathian Hill at uh, Channel 12 News. And right. and I, I have to admit, I, I was very surprised at, um, at his performance during the debate because, to the best of my knowledge, Fred Akshar had never debated anything before, at least certainly not on, on TV, and Barbara Fiala had. And I think, um, I mean, I, th- my recollection, one of the things that I recall is that there was a reporter for the New York Times who was at Channel 12 News up on Carpathian Hill, and I, I think the reporter wanted to come into the studio the studio while the debate was going on with, uh, I believe it was... Um, of course Candace Chapman and Caroline Goggin I think and then I also had a chance to ask a, a few questions but he wouldn't let well I don't know if it was Fred Actioner's decision the campaign wouldn't let the reporter from the the times into the studio and I I attribute that to, and I thought maybe that's just because he was nervous because he hadn't debated before but again my recollection of the debate he he handled the debate, I thought, uh, very smoothly. I think everyone was impressed with, with his performance during that single TV debate.
7: Bob, I met with Senator Akshar up on, uh, in Albany on uh, a legislative day a few years back. And Fred came out in a crowd about 30 to 50 people, who, and I was in the audience. And he was talking about the $25 million that Cuomo allocated for uh, legal aid to illegal immigrants. Uh, I let him finish his spiel, then I raised my hand, and he knew me because I actually helped him campaign, and now I'm 100% against him. But I raised my hand, and he said, yeah, Vic, uh, what's your question? I asked him, I said, why are you talking about $25 million out of the state tax money going to illegals when we spend $6.6 billion a year to educate and house and feed illegals? I said, that's the bigger uh, picture. That $25 million wouldn't even pay 1% of the tax on that $6 billion. And and for the rest of the conversation, that's all people talked about. So – the, the the ideal politician, and I'm talking politician, not the. And politician doesn't mean you're good or bad.
3: Uh, well, let's you know you're getting into the weeds here. Since you brought it up, I'm going to uh, play back that statement from 2019 that Fred Akshar, Senator Fred Akshar had posted to uh, his official Senate uh, Facebook page on a Sunday night.
9: First, I want to thank all of my supporters who saw last Monday's news article for exactly what it was, a politically motivated tabloid hit piece. I understand that as a public official, I am open to public scrutiny and public criticism. I can tolerate disagreement on issues, but I will never tolerate attacks and accusations based on outright and unequivocal lies like those seen this past week. Enough is enough. This has remained nothing more than a concerted, politically motivated smear attempt as evidenced by Mike Korchak jumping at the chance to exploit these accusations in an attempt to garner additional votes in the upcoming district attorney's race. Now, Broom County Democratic Party chair Tim Grippen has decided to try and score political points based on these unfounded and completely baseless allegations. It's beyond shameful that Korchak and Grippen would exploit these completely false and frankly disgusting accusations for petty political attacks. As I've said before, the only truth in this tabloid garbage is that there was a brief and completely consensual relationship between myself and Ms. Masciarelli that began and ended long after the conclusion of the 2014 trial, long before being elected to the state Senate, and long before the conviction was overturned. No laws or codes of ethics were violated at any time. Ms. Masciarelli herself in 2015 described our brief relationship as ending as friends. Over the past years, Ms. Maciarelli has repeatedly attempted to harass me, my office, and my staff with threats and false claims via email, phone calls, text messages, and social media, all documented in great detail by my office. These attacks first began during the 2015 District Attorney race with the latest coming due to my support for Paul Battisti for Broome County District Attorney in the 2019 primary. It's no coincidence that Ms. Masciarelli only elevated her attacks after my endorsement of Paul Battisti and one month before the primary for District Attorney. It's no coincidence that Mike Korchak jumped on these new allegations hours after they were made for his own political gain. And my friends, it's no coincidence this is all occurring one month before my wedding. None of the tabloid gossip, political posturing, or outright lies of the past week have added anything to the public discourse or made life any easier for the families across our community. To the contrary, the actions of Ms. Mascherelli and Mr. Korchak spreading falsehoods and lies have been harmful to our community. Despite all this, I've always remained committed to serving the people of the 52nd Senate District. It's been the honor of my life and I will never let rumor, innuendo, false accusations or threats influence me or distract me from working for the people. Thank you again to all of those who've stood with me through these despicable attacks and lies. I'll continue standing up for the people that I so proudly represent in Albany and here at home. Thank you and God bless. That
3: was State Senator Fred Akshar's statement posted to his official State Senate Facebook page in May 2019. As he said, enough is enough. That was his official statement going back about three years ago. I'm Bob Joseph. We're live and local. This is news radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. Want to save a lot? Enjoy at BowlAndBranch.com. See site for details. That's B O L L A N D, branch.com. Promo code enjoy. I'm Bob Joseph. This is news radio, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com at 10 o'clock. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White.
2: Good morning. It is 10.04. We've been holding the line at 47 degrees for a little while now. Overcast skies, so obviously the sun not helping us out any. The forecast for today, partly sunny, getting up to the upper 50s right now. Our high temperature should be in the mid-60s. For tonight, there's a possibility of some frost. Endicott police continue to investigate the death of a woman whose body was found when firefighters responded to a report of smoke coming from the second floor window of her Taylor Avenue home yesterday. A passerby reported that fire a little bit before 8.30 a.m. Firefighters responding to the house said they found a deceased adult inside the home. The woman's body was found in the second-floor bedroom where that fire was contained. There was smoke and water damage throughout. The resident was the only one in the house. Authorities have not released the woman's name or her cause of death. The cause of the fire also remains under investigation. Delaware County Sheriff's officials are investigating a horrific crash, which at one point is, at this point, it's not being said if there have been any fatalities. The Sheriff's Office say they were notified of a report of a serious two-car crash on Covered Bridge Road in the town of Sydney Tuesday. Emergency dispatchers were told several people had been hurt. Callers said they thought some people had been thrown from their vehicles. Upon arriving at the scene, deputies say they found one of the vehicles had been ripped in two in that collision, but the occupants of both vehicles had been wearing seatbelts and no one had been ejected. In all, four people were transported to health care facilities. One of those patients later transferred to Upstate University Medical Center in Syracuse as the severity of their injuries required a greater level of care. The Sheriff's Office has not released the names of any of those involved, the nature of their injuries, or their conditions at this time. Authorities would like to talk to anyone who may have information regarding the crash. Anyone with that information should call into Senior Investigator Chris Irwin at 607 832 or Investigator David Barnes at 607-832-5629. A to man who carjacked a woman in the parking lot of the Oakdale Mall last year will be spending nine years in New York State Prison. 27-year-old Brandon Hamilton pleaded guilty to robbery, escape, and criminal possession of stolen property in the September 5, 2021 incident in which the woman was pepper sprayed and her vehicle stolen. That carjacking actually happened minutes after Hamilton approached a man in the Wegmans supermarket parking lot directly across Ariel Drive from the mall and tried to steal his car. Johnson City Police said after the suspect failed to forcibly take the Wegman shopper's vehicle, he ran across the busy multi-lane section of Hariel Drive to the Oakdale Mall parking lot where he encountered the hapless woman getting into her vehicle. Village police accused Hamilton of pulling the woman from her car and spraying her with Capson and taking off in her car on that Sunday afternoon. Police had been responding to the initial attempted carjacking report at the Wegmans when they were directed across the road to the mall parking lot. The stolen vehicle was found on Underwood Road in Vestal. Police say Hamilton attempted to escape from custody as they were placing him under arrest. The Broome County District Attorney's office reports Hamilton had a previous conviction for burglary in 2016. WMBF NewsTime 1007. Beer will be available for sale to the general public at Penn State's Beaver Stadium beginning Saturday when the Nittany Lions host Northwestern. The school announced that change yesterday. Penn State will be the ninth Big Ten school to sell beer to the general public at the football games. The ones that have not been selling beer are Michigan, Michigan State, Nebraska, Northwestern, and Wisconsin. All patrons 21 years of age and older who want to purchase beer will be required to show government-issued identification to obtain a wristband. All IDs will be scanned to confirm they're legitimate. Sales will be conducted at stations that will be located in all areas of the stadium except near the student section. An athletic department spokeswoman says those students could drink beer in the student section if they are of legal age. Fans can buy two 16 ounce cans at a time and sales will stop at the end of the third quarter. The school's board of trustees voted about a week ago to allow expanded alcohol st- sales at Beaver Stadium. Alcohol already was available in the enclosed suites. WMBF News Time 1009. Welcome to WMBF Twin Tiers forecast today. Partly sunny, a high in the upper 50s. Tonight, partly cloudy. Patchy fog as we head past midnight. However, there's a chance for some patchy frost toward morning. The National Weather Service has issued a frost advisory in effect for tomorrow from 1 a.m. until 8 a.m. The low tonight getting into the mid to upper 30s. Starting off on Friday with patchy frost in the morning, otherwise mostly sunny, a high in the mid 60s. Saturday, mostly cloudy, a slight chance of showers, a high in the low to mid-60s. Sunday, partly sunny, mid-60s, and Monday, mostly sunny, high in the low to mid-60s. Currently, it's still 47 in Pinghamton. It's 10-11, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM.
3: joseph live local on your side you need help just call bob joseph at 607-772-1290 your friends at wnbf dangerous hope you're having a good Thursday morning and to our listeners via the WNBF app you Maybe tuned in in Florida. We wish you the best. You know, times are tough and some people are experiencing all sorts of trouble at this stage, including power problems, uh, flooding, property damage. Some people undoubtedly have been hurt. We wish you the best. So, if you're in Florida, we do wish you. Well, and we'll continue to monitor things. As I said uh, previously, maybe some people here in the Binghamton area will actually organize something nice to help folks in Florida. Well, the big Newark Valley Apple Festival is coming up Saturday and Sunday. We've already had calls inquiring about the big event in tioga county and now with information we go to ed neslowski good morning
4: good morning how are you uh, i'm doing fine uh a bit nervous and uh because of <laughs> trying to pull everything together to make the festival as good as possible and get all our ducks in a row but um uh it looks like the weather is cooperating that's well one of the major factors that we really can't control we just have to deal with it but uh i was certainly concerned about what the the hurricane might do in florida but you know uh, predictions right now are for decent weather for the weekend in the next four days
3: yeah i've been looking at the tioga county forecast uh this week and saturday Mostly cloudy. A slight chance of showers, like Mm -hmm. as in 20% chance of precipitation with temperatures around 63. And then Sunday, uh, partly sunny, maybe a bit warmer, maybe the mid-60s. So it sounds as though the the weather will be conducive to a great festival. Uh, Give us a little background about the Apple Festival in Newark Valley, a little bit of the history.
4: Yeah. uh, Well, this is the 41st uh, edition. We uh, we did cancel one year because of COVID, uh, and it's an event that's uh, gone through a lot of changes and transformations in that 40-year time span. I, uh, I believe I went to the first one right around 1980, and uh, what I tell people is my, my life has never been the same. <clears throat> um, for a good number of years, we had a Civil War encampment, uh, we decided that... Um, it was kind of overwhelming the festival in a variety of ways, so we have kind of decided well, we'll focus more on music, traditional crafts, kids' activities. Um, so we've still been drawing a very good crowd, you know, um, you know, since we've gone to uh, you know that kind of a change.
3: Well, you mentioned that it. It takes a lot of work to pull off this sort of event. And give me a, a little sense of the work that you and so many other people have done to get set for this weekend.
4: Yeah, uh, well, that's 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 an important point. Um, uh, we have a lot of people who aren't society members that help us because it's become kind of a... New York Valley in general. And um, we, we uh, utilize about 200 people. You know, to to pull this off, I'm ideal with uh, parking and set up tent positioning, things of that sort. Um, I'll, I'll be out there <clears throat> six o'clock in the morning with a couple of my crew putting pumpkins on the road so that people don't, <laughs> uh, you know, park on the on the shoulder. Um, so it's uh, quite a logistical effort. One one thing I think uh, that should be mentioned is that we uh, we actually had. You know, discussions about you know can we keep pulling this off? Because uh, many of us are senior citizens, and you know it's quite a, a quite a strain just on our bodies and our minds to to pull this off year after year. We had um, uh, a school teacher that came forward and said, you know, I will take charge. And she's had two other people that have come forward. A woman by the name of Stacey Hoyt, and they've just done a marvelous job of uh, uh, trying to keep everything together making sure every all the ducks are in a row and um so um yeah we we start planning this in march and we meet on a regular basis we stay in contact you know via phone and uh, and via email so you know everything seems to be coming together pretty well for uh, for for this uh, year's edition
3: where is the festival held
4: it's at the Bemen billings farmstead which is a living history site um, Established in 1980, and that's one mile north of the village of Newark Valley on uh, Route 38.
3: So, if people are coming from the Triple Cities, it doesn't take that long to actually no. get to the yeah. the site of the Newark Valley Apple Festival.
4: Yeah, and we we draw you know uh, just hundreds of people from the Triple Cities area, but we've been able to expand. You know, within a fifty-mile radius, pretty well. We get people coming up from Pennsylvania, Windsor, Elmira. So, um, and, and I think we're doing doing better about drawing people from the Ithaca area now as well.
3: Should people buy tickets in advance?
4: They they uh, uh, they're able to buy tickets uh, on our on our website. <clears throat> so that was something new this year. Um, and it's just kind of a convenience. You know, if you want to, you know, buy those things electronically, that was one of the other new things for the festival this year. Is trying to work that out because so many more people are uh, not dealing with cash. So, all right, we 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 got to make that transition <laughs> to uh, you know go that route. So, uh, <clears throat> hopefully, that will work out for us. You know, you, you almost always have bugs the first time you try doing something, but people have had experience with with these things in general. So, uh, you know, hopefully that will that will come through with us without any hitches.
3: But it's not necessary. If people still want to attend the Apple Festival on Saturday or Sunday, they can just pop over and yep. and uh, pay for, for the admission for themselves or their family. Yep,
1: mm-hmm.
4: certainly.
3: All right. And the festival runs from 10 to 5 both days?
4: 10 to 5 both days, yes.
3: Anything else you wanted to add?
4: Um, Well, I I just mentioned briefly, you know, uh, what people experienced—a wide variety of music. We have fifteen different craft vendors, demonstrations of uh, apple butter uh, making, a mountain of dulcimer, cider pressing, flint napping, beekeeping. Um, We also had a a new woman that's come forward that uh, her and her husband restore uh, sewing machines, so uh, they brought back to life an 1877 uh, sewing machine that had been in the farmstead. Uh, wide variety of foods, kids' activities. We have a, a scarecrow contest, which was new last year, and, um, you know, that uh, had, had some great um, uh, participants in that. Uh, there's a dessert contest, um, and, and and those get sold in the, in the Herrick barn afterwards. Horse and Wagon Rides, a wonderful gift shop. Um, so that's kind of an over... And we have a couple of historic portrayals. This is something uh, a bit new. We have a couple people from Owego that do first-person interpretation. Uh, they not only dress in historic costume, but they play the part of somebody specific. So uh, a woman by uh, Tamer Gates, uh, she's going to portray Cornelia vanderbilt Mercerow, <clears throat> who was a, a local resident from uh, early 1800s in Tioga County, And then her husband, Doug Weeks, is going to be uh, John Shepard, who was a merchant in the area in that same period of time.
3: That sounds very good. One thing that you didn't mention, though, was ice cream, apple ice cream.
4: Uh, I think, yeah, I think they will have apple ice cream, yeah. So, All uh, right. Yeah, well, I think that's, that's what pe- that's, that's what a lot of people
3: I know. A lot of people I know they just live for ice cream, and if yeah. ice cream is available at an event, they're probably going to circle it on their uh, mm-hmm. on their calendar mm-hmm. to make sure they get some. Yeah. I, I see that uh, not only they might have ice cream, but they might also have apple pie. Yes, yes,
4: yeah. Wide variety of desserts. So you imagine you
3: if somebody at the Apple Festival tries to pawn off one of those fake apple pies that you make with crackers. I mean, if that if that got discovered, they're trying to sell a pseudo-apple pie that they make right. with, with crackers. And I know some people who've done that. That would create oh, really? some sort of... a That would be like Pie Gate. Oh, that would be yeah. a scandal if it ever... <laughs> I'm not saying it would happen. I'm just saying uh-huh, uh-huh. guard against it. Keep an eye on some of the, the people that you don't know well. And they, they ah, set up okay. uh, a pie stand, and you say, yeah. wait a second, I don't even think they... Like apples, and it we turns need out.
4: Need to have some pipe police. <laughs> exactly,
3: I'll volunteer. I'll okay as <laughs> uh, as you know to to enhance to to assure the security of and the integrity of the apple pies. I mm-hmm. will sample each apple pie before sale.
4: That's that's going to be an important position that we'll we'll need to add. Toughest question
3: for you is what's your favorite type of apple?
4: Oh. um... I kind of like uh, Northern Spy in many ways because they're just so, you know, they come late in the fall and they're really hard and crisp. Um, and I've kind of been uh, liking uh, Gala apples, you know, when I when I go and buy them in the store. Uh, there'll be several types for for sale. Uh, I can't remember. I know there was Cortland's. Apparently a lot of people are asking about Cortland apples, and we've got a bin of them available at um, – you know, for the festival. It's in the tent called Everything Apple, and <clears throat> just a variety of a variety of apple products, um, apple produce, and uh, things of that sort.
3: Ed Nislowski, thanks for joining us this morning to let our listeners know about this weekend's Newark Valley Historical Society Annual Apple Festival. Of course, there's more information about the event at nvhistory.org.
4: Well, thanks for uh, giving me the opportunity.
3: A pleasure. Hope you have mm-hmm. a great weekend.
4: Okay. Thank you.
3: 1024, live and local. This is Bob Joseph on your side. Yeah, I admit it. I like ice cream. But I also admit it, to the best of my recollection, I've never had apple ice cream. And maybe I can rectify that this weekend in Newark Valley. 607 772 1290 is the number. You can send an email to bob at wnbf.com. It's Thursday morning live news radio WNBF 92.1 FM 1290 AM and always available on your free WNBF app.
1: You're in. hair down in my eyes and she says hi. And I stumble to the breakfast table while the kids are going off to school goodbye. And she reaches out and takes my hand, squeezes it and says. Look across the smiling lips that warm my heart and see my morning sun. And if that's not loving loving me, then all I gotta say. God didn't make, didn't bring it out. It don't rain in
3: in the summertime. WNBF to 1027. Bob Joseph.
1: And there's no such thing as Dr. Seuss, Disneyland, Mother Goose, there's no nursery rhyme. Let's go back to
3: the phone lines. Dale in Binghamton. Good morning, you're on the air.
1: Good morning, Bob.
10: I'm uh, just calling out. <coughs> About that apple pie, anyway, mm. Bernie Smith with vanilla.
3: <laughs> oh, now I'm now I'm. <laughs> oh, I love that. But um,
10: yeah, um, about the city school district, I uh, graduated from North High School and and came out of East Union High School, you know, with the pool and the and the and the diving pool beside that and everything. And I was surprised when I got back from the military and it was all gone but, you know thinking my god you know. and for someone to uh, not have an opinion on, on those changes and everything you know it used to be north central and all that you no know, football games and all that but uh just to have someone Change that situation without having the public have a say in it is just, uh, you know,
3: it surprised me. Well, the school district and the Board of Education plans to hold a feasibility study forum at 5 30 today at Carlisle Hills Apartments, so we'll see. Okay. we'll see. We'll see if they listen. I certainly, for Parents or others who are concerned about the Binghamton School District, I would, yeah, I would recommend that people go to um, the forum. Uh, as I mentioned previously, there's another forum that is scheduled for next Monday. That'll be at the Noma Community Center, 85 Walnut Street, over on the west side, and on that, that side, yeah, yeah, and that'll be also from. Um, for some reason, Monday's forum is scheduled to run uh, only for 90 minutes, 5.30 to 7 o'clock. So apparently all they want to hear is 90 minutes of uh, comments. The oh, for, oh the forum, I, I hope they take comments. Maybe they're just going to talk for 90 minutes. But I assume that they would, let's hope that they uh, listen to the people who are, paying their salaries
10: and their children you know.
3: yeah of course i often i hasten to add that um the board of education people the people who serve on the school board are not getting paid so i'll i'll give them credit for their service because I, i'll be the first to admit yeah, that's true yeah i mean oh actually i was going to say tonight's forum was uh, scheduled for two hours, but no, it turns out both uh, tonight and Monday night's forums are are scheduled for five thirty to seven p.m. So, but now all in all seriousness, I I do have uh, some sympathy with the school board members. I mean, ultimately, they make they make the decision, but I I've encouraged them before to call into the program, and apparently, either. Um,
10: Just to talk about
3: it. Yeah, I mean, you would think, you would think they would call in. I mean, even if the school superintendent doesn't like me or doesn't like the program. Personally, I think oh, she I think not, she likes not. me. I think she just doesn't like the questions I ask. I think <laughs> No, I'm <laughs> yeah, serious. This, that. You know, I I don't think it's a question. I mean, who wouldn't like me? But I can understand whether it's a school superintendent or a mayor, I can understand as much as they like me or even love me, they don't particularly care for my line of questioning. I think that's well, I think that's the a crux big of
10: situation. it. Is such a big situation for families to think about when your children are going to a certain school or something like that, and all of a sudden it's not there. You
3: know? Yeah, I can't imagine. When I was a young whippersnapper in, in Endwell and Endicott, I can't imagine mm-hmm. if um, if they closed my neighborhood school. I mean, I would be heartbroken. I'd be inconsolable.
10: Yeah, I was uh, pretty uh, abashed about you know, it used to be North Central High School against each other, football and baseball and whatnot, and this and that. And I came back, and there's, you know, no, no, no North High School or no yeah. East Junior
3: High now School. That, and I I can remember some of the discussions. That was not, I know, combining into a single school, uh, yeah. a single high school, that was another tough choice. Mm-hmm. I, by the way, I, as much as I, you know, talk about. Closing one or more elementary schools. I understand these aren't easy decisions. I'm not trying to minimize the um, the challenges to those who ultimately have to make a decision. Um,
10: I think we, the people, to make take more participation in in these uh,
1: question
3: askings. I agree. I think. I think as many parents and even teachers and students. Mm-hmm. I, I see no reason, by the way, where, say, if you're a parent or a grandparent and you have um, someone who is a student at one of these elementary schools, I see no reason even why children, students, can't speak at these forums and talk about what it might mean to them. I think that's relevant, too. As they say, consider all stakeholders, parents...
10: And that's a good idea.
3: Yeah, parents, that's teachers, administrators support personnel and even students and of course residents there are city school district residents who may have no children but they should still their concerns because remember these these decisions will will have an impact on a neighborhood a closed school that's that's right as as many people know in broome County and even Tioga County closed schools will sit there closed for years Mm -hmm until a new use is, is developed. And, you know, ultimately, and I don't like talking about the, the tough decision of closing one or more school buildings in Binghamton. Ultimately, though, if they do decide to close one or two schools in the coming years, ultimately, I wouldn't be surprised that you would see them redeveloped and maybe to housing. I mean, so maybe ultimately in the long run, maybe... The decisions that are made could be beneficial to communities too. You know
10: that, like uh, turning East Junior Middle School into vice markets, which the North Side needs is is another market.
3: You know, yeah. Actually, I hadn't even thought about that. Probably be too expensive to uh, convert something like yeah, that into yeah. a store. It seems to me housing, and I'm thinking just of the revenue the housing
10: too. Yes.
3: Yeah. So I mean. Who knows? Who knows? I, I hope they make. I hope they make some smart choices. I also would think. And again, a lot of people listen to this program, but apparently nobody on the board of education and no school administrator wants to participate. Which, hey, that's know, it's a
10: it's, that's a sad thing. There. Well, it is sad, you know, but, it's, but the, I, it's the people and, and their children are going to those schools, and, and they shut one or the other down. You know, and. Uh, buying a house in Damton or something like that because of the school system and all of a sudden it changes without your even having any input or or you know to talk about it just to
3: listen. Well I mean to the credit of the Board of Education these forums are being held so people had better take advantage of these uh, two opportunities uh, tonight at Carlisle and then Monday night at the uh, community center on Walnut Street. Better take yep. advantage of those if you have any thoughts, because my guess is they're going to be making a decision on this very soon. So it's, I'd, it's I'd, important. Appreciate your call. Yep. Ten thirty-six WNBF serving the community. I have an open door policy for school district representatives and elected officials. John from Binghamton, good morning.
5: Uh, Yeah, I want to talk about Fred Asher, so remind me, but just on a school district, uh, what they're not telling the people is is that they cannot afford to build a new school. Uh, Their balance sheet uh, was decimated by the construction of the MacArthur School, 70-plus Million dollars, so they can't fit a new school uh, on their balance sheet. Uh, they they wouldn't be able to bond for it. So uh, that that option uh, is a uh, non-starter. Uh, you know, on on uh, Fred Akshar, uh, there was one thing that was left out of the conversation. And that's the fact that he got caught having to admit to a relationship with a subordinate. And that subordinate, uh, which, when the heat was on, be- suddenly became his wife, that subordinate uh, received uh, pay and promotions uh, that, if you look at it, uh, were unmerited unless you wanted to count bedroom activity. So Fred Akshar was using our tax dollars uh, to conduct an illicit uh, relationship with a subordinate. So, you know, criticism of Fred Akshar is not bad for the community, and it's not against the community. And he's just a pompous, in my opinion, a pompous uh, liar.
3: Well, he also obviously took a dim view of John Campbell's reporting. John Campbell, who was reporting back then from what was called Gannett's Albany Bureau, did the stories referencing things that had happened with uh, Fred Akshar. And I don't believe, I mean, I spoke with John Campbell at the time, and I've spoken with him since. Fred Akshar, or, um, John Campbell's reporting, which appeared in... The press and sun bullets in and in some other gannett papers i don't believe that was part of a smear i think i think john campbell with his reporting did everything in his power to be balanced in in his presentation and, in fact look, some, some you know i i think he he gave uh, um fred akshar every opportunity to tell his story in fact that's well, I, I, I don't have to repeat the particulars right now because I just find it a little distasteful. But by the same token, you know, let's let's be crystal clear. None of us is perfect.
4: Oh,
5: oh, I, Bob, I'm all for people running for political office saying, look, I'm a fatally flawed person, just like the rest of you. Here's my proclivities. This is what I'm doing to to, to work it out. And I think that I can do a good job for the public by taking my personal proclivities uh, away from the job. Now, in Fred Akshar's case, his personal weaknesses uh, have become part, essentially, of his resume. uh, And and keep in mind, Michael Korchak's going to be district attorney for another year. So if you elected Fred Akshar and Michael uh, Korchak in an election year, with Paul Battisti uh, circling around like he's a a mini version of Jaws, uh, this is going to be a three-reading circus, and it is a matter of public record on a lawsuit uh, that Fred Akshar and his brother were involved with Paul Battisti trumping up something that would... uh, 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 a police activity that would benefit him in uh, his divorce proceedings. So you know... We don't need we don't need a soap opera between Akshar, Battisti, and Korchak. So on that level alone, and the fact that, as I've mentioned prior, that this uh, potential victim, uh, Mariella Masciarelli, could sue under the new law for a year Fred Akshar, his glibness, uh, his arrogance... Uh, His uh, evangelical-style preaching won't get him out of this stuff, and we simply can do better. He's had his taste. He failed up in Albany clearly. Just look at all the crap of his campaign commercials, and uh, he'll make a very good employee for someone that can keep him on a leash. But he doesn't have to be the number one public official in Broome County after failing miserably in Albany.
3: All right, thanks for your uh, call. It's 1041 WNBF, and looking at the 2019 report from PressConnects.com, John Campbell, who then was working for Gannett in Albany, reported that story. And it said Senator Fred Akshar had relations with victim's mother in murder case he supervised. That was the headline. The subhead was the Binghamton area senator was a sheriff's captain at the time. And this was a case involving the mother of uh, Mario who was killed in Binghamton. The story by John Campbell at PressConnects.com. It's still posted there. Akshar acknowledged having a brief consensual relationship with Morella Masciarelli that he says happened sometime after a man was convicted in 2014 of killing two people, including her 24-year-old son the previous year. According to John Campbell's report, Masciarelli disputed Akshar's characterization of their interactions. She accused him of preying on her grief in the months leading up to a one-time sexual encounter where she says she played bingo. This was at a, a casino, and Akshar had been there attending a police training conference. The story says the encounter occurred as the accused murderer readied an appeal of his guilty verdict on technical grounds, an appeal that ultimately resulted in a second trial and then a conviction. Here's a key paragraph. Again, this goes back to 2019, three years ago. Akshar, who was elected to the Senate in 2015, is frequently mentioned as a possible candidate for Broome County Sheriff, testified at a hearing ahead of Powell's first trial. He was not called to the witness stand for the second trial. However, a decision prosecutors declined to discuss because Powell is again appealing. Anyway, it's it's a story. I know Senator Akshar addressed it in that video. We played the audio. 10:44 WNBF Mike Investel. Good morning.
0: Good morning, Bob. Um, hey, I just wanted to comment on uh, the upcoming election and uh, being a Republican. You know, I always supported uh, Dave Harder as sheriff, and something rubs me wrong about Fred Akshar. You know, it's like they the, the Republican Party kind of coddled him and you know, protected him and gave you know pushed him into that job as senator and all of a sudden you get you get the job for sheriff that comes up and he goes, Oh, I like this job better than Senator. And so instead of helping us, Yeah, all, but as, as I bread.
3: said earlier, it wasn't all of a sudden I think in my opinion, and Fred Akshar never told me this, but I based on Every bit of information I could glean at the time, even before he was elected senator, after Tom Libis had to leave the Senate early because of his felony conviction for lying to the FBI, I I think it was a given that Fred Akshar wanted to be Broome County Sheriff. I, I don't recall if I ever asked him directly. I almost think that, at, at least at one point, I asked him about that on the air, but I I don't have um, a record of that. But, I mean, we know law enforcement was his life. And even now, law enforcement, even as a senator, still is his life. The last I knew, he still was occasionally um, serving as a, a part-time village patrol officer to keep his... Um, certification or whatever current so of course he he loves law enforcement and i don't think that it was all of a sudden he wanted to become broom county sheriff i think probably from the early days that he joined the broom county sheriff's office i believe he aspired to be sheriff
0: i don't think there's anything wrong with you know having aspirations to do something but you know when you go ahead and you, you you tell the residents of this um region that you want to be their senator and you're going to you know continue to work hard for him and you're gonna you know oh yeah I, I int- fully intend on being reelected what she did and now he's gonna you know leave the job and I don't know I just something rubs me wrong with that and I, I think well that, uh,
3: the other thing too and I've said this on the program um Probably uh, more than a few times. If you were a Republican in the state senate, why would you want to stay? You have essentially no power. The Senate's now controlled by New York City Democrats. Why why in the world would some Broome County Republican want to be a state senator unless they just needed the job?
0: Well, you never know. Yeah, I mean and that that just you know, and I just want to bring up one other thing. Um for many, many years, Donna Lepardo, you know, and we're talking, I'm talking, switching gears here a little bit to the, the state assembly. She, she, uh, has run unopposed and kind of stayed under the radar. And every time I see her at a clam bake or see her anywhere, you bring up issues and she just kind of gives you these shoddy answers and these excuses of why they can't do things. And she doesn't have to do anything because nobody's been running, but this, Sophia Resonetti, I think we should give her a chance. I think. Somebody well, knows.
3: there's another. There's another case. Maybe she should be given a chance. But keep in mind, she doesn't do interviews either. So um, now, Donald Lepardo occasionally does interviews on this program. She's on occasionally. But Sophia Rezzinetti, when the last time she called in. I was thinking, well, this might be interesting because she is mounting a challenge against the incumbent assembly member, so I thought it would be good to possibly have a, a debate. And she wouldn't agree to a debate. I mean, so, and she clearly doesn't like being interviewed on live radio. She's been on a couple of times on the program, so consider well, that. She's
6: the, uh,
0: yeah, I, I do, but you know, she's not the first... Um, Politician that that, uh, that won't debate or has avoided. No, same with Kathy Hochul.
3: I I get it. I get it. People only want to debate when they think they can gain something from it. So that's true of mm-hmm. Kathy Hochul. That's true of any candidate who shuns having a series of debates. What they won't say it, but the clear implication is they or their campaign have come to a conclusion they don't stand to gain much from a debate, a free discussion of the issues. That's fine. You know, the people, not everyone, but most of the people can figure things out. 1049, Bob Joseph, on your side, always asking a few questions, always trying to get some answers for you, the American public, on WNBF. You wash your hands. It's the real deal, real radio, the way Marconi wanted it to be. He would be proud if he were still around to listen to news radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. It's Thursday morning with Bob Joseph on the air. Mickey in Johnson City, good morning. You're on the air.
11: Morning, Bob. I just wanted to briefly touch base on the last caller. Um, I just think that sometimes people might get into office and see all the politics, might not want to deal with those and step back down. Of course, the Sheriff's Department has their own set of politics, but that might be something he's more familiar with, uh, Akshar, and um, maybe he can make more of a difference locally than he can being a senator, um, because Harder, I mean, he's got to go, in my opinion. I mean, I just think he's got to go. We need a change. Why can't
3: he stay? Why can't he stay? Look at Brendan. Brendan is doing a great job in Washington. So I say Dave Harder, every time I speak with him, even since his retirement announcement, he still... Makes it clear to me he loves the job. He's Even though he now appears ready to relax, he still loves the job. I, you know, f- January 1st, 2023, Dave Harder is probably going to wake up at the usual time and wish he could go to Front Street and start doing the job again that, that he loves. He's been part of the sheriff's office for half a century. So, I, I mean, I respect his decision, but you make it sound like he's got to go. no. He doesn't have to go. Well, just, he, by the I way, by the way, he could even job. he he could still change his mind. David Harder could still change his mind here on September 29th and call in and say, "You know what? I've been thinking about it. I still want to be sheriff, so I'm launching a write-in campaign." What would stop him from doing that?
11: I mean, just because you like a job doesn't mean you're good at it. I think there's a lot of things that's happened at the jail and. You know, that's under his watch, Bob. You can't can't deny that. No,
3: I'm not denying it. I hey, I'm cognizant of things that happen around here. I didn't I I am not representing anybody. I don't represent Sheriff Harder. I don't represent Senator Akshar, I don't represent Captain Newcomb. I represent the voice of the people.
11: Well, my, my voice is Akshar for sheriff because there needs to be a change, and hopefully uh, Harder doesn't uh, go ahead and say he wants to keep this job because I think some people uh, are kind of just used to him, you know? I don't know. I just think that there's a lot of stuff that's gone on at the jail under his watch, and maybe somebody else needs to watch the jail and people won't die.
3: All right. I appreciate your call. And by the way, I, I'm not predicting I just pointed out that we know David Harder loves working for the sheriff's office and being sheriff. I, in no way, want anyone to come away with the impression that I've heard that he's going to stay. No, he intends to retire at the end of the year. It's 1055. This is Bob Joseph serving you. I have no agenda. Just a microphone and a... Telephone six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety or email bob at wnbf.com. WNBF. 1057 WNBF, wnbf.com. People need to know what's going on. Especially weekday mornings when they get started heading off for work or taking the kids to school or just going around looking at the beautiful leaves of autumn. When you get your day started, make sure you tune in to WNBF. First News Binghamton, Kathy White, James Kelly. It's the information you need to start your day Monday through Friday here on News Radio WNBF. And WNBF.com. It's ten Let's take a look at uh, the forecast for the Binghamton region. Here's the official forecast from the team at Mount Ettrick, led by Dave Nicosia. Cloudy today, gradually becoming mostly sunny, high 58. Partly cloudy tonight, patchy fog, patchy frost, low 37, mostly sunny tomorrow, high 65. Cloudy Saturday, a chance of showers. A slight chance. High 63 Sunday, partly sunny and superb. Or as they say in old Mexico City, swell. It'll be a swell Sunday, high 64. Right now in downtown Binghamton. The temperature now, as they say. As I'm vamping, because again, we've got old mercury in the thermometer. Doesn't seem, I think it's too sluggish. Anyway, it's 54 right now. At WNBF, WNBF.com, coming up in 60 seconds, a complete update on Hurricane Ian as it continues to cause havoc in Florida. And for our listeners who May be following the program this morning on the WNBF app if you're in Florida or anywhere in the southeast. We wish you and your loved ones and your communities the best. I know these are difficult times, and we keep we keep you in our thoughts and, and hopefully people from the Binghamton area will be pitching in. I've I've heard that NISEG actually is planning to send crews to florida to help with power restoration that's what i've heard it's not officially but i've heard that some nice egg crews and other utility crews from new york state are going to head to florida to help by the way for our area there will be a frost advisory in effect from one to eight tomorrow morning frost could kill sensitive outdoor vegetation if left uncovered so keep that in mind Again, right now in downtown Binghamton, it's 54, it's 11 o'clock. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF Binghamton.
5: First, News Radio 1290 WNBF.
0: Here's Kathy White.
2: Got a partly sunny day today, unseasonably cool temperatures are struggling to get to sixty. Tonight there's a frost advisory in effect for the overnight hours, actually early morning on Friday, and that could result in some damage to plants if they're not covered overnight tonight. Authorities are investigating the death of a woman whose body was discovered after fire broke out in her Endicott home. The blaze on Taylor Avenue on the village's north side was reported shortly before 8.30 a.m. when a neighbor saw smoke coming from the two-story house. Officials say the fire was confined to a front bedroom on the second floor where the woman's body was found. There was smoke and water damage to other sections of the house. The woman was the only occupant of the home. There were no reports of injuries to firefighters. New York State Police say a Norwich man is accused of stabbing two people in Shenango County during the course of a domestic incident. 22-year-old Corey Sawyer was charged with two felony counts of attempted murder, two felony counts of assault, and four misdemeanor counts of endangering the welfare of a child. Authorities say Sawyer is accused of stabbing an adult and a 17-year-old with a knife just before 1.30 a.m. during a domestic dispute yesterday on State Route 80 in the town of Utzilik. Troopers say, meanwhile, there were three other children under the age of 17 who were also in the home at the time. State police say both the victims sustained non-life-threatening injuries, were taken to Shenango Memorial Hospital, then transferred to Wilson Hospital in Johnson City and were last reported in stable condition. Sawyer was also transported to Shenango Memorial for treatment of injuries sustained prior to troopers' arrival. The Sawyer was released after being treated at that Norwich facility. Facility and sent to the Shenango County Jail on $250,000 bail. No injuries are being reported after fire damaged a mobile home in eastern Broome County last evening. Broome County Emergency Services officials say firefighters from Windsor, Aquaga, and Harpersville were called to the scene of a home on East Windsor Road shortly before 6.30 last evening with initial report that there were possibly people trapped inside. But crews arriving on the scene reported everyone safely out and the blaze was brought under control in less than a half hour. It was found to have started in the kitchen area and the stove and possibly spread to the wall. The road that links west over with the northwest end of Johnson City that has been closed inconveniencing motorists for weeks could reopen today. Oakdale Road between Harriel Drive in the Village and Main Street in Westover has been closed since September 6th, while an old railroad bridge was being replaced. The L.C. Whitford Company of Wellsville, which oversaw the project for Norfolk Southern Railway, removed a 65,000-pound open-deck steel bridge last week. The job superintendent, Dean Ingalls, says a new 140,000-pound replacement is wider. Rail traffic was suspended for about 16 hours for that bridge replacement. Ingalls says the new bridge parts come from a steel company near Pittsburgh, while the steel from the old bridge was sent on to the Whitesman scrapyard in Owego. As the deadline has passed for requesting licenses to legally sell recreational marijuana in New York State, regulators say more than 900 would-be pot shop operators have applied. New York plans to issue about 150 licenses in this first round, which was open only to people with past marijuana-related convictions or their relatives. According to a tweet from the New York State Office of Cannabis Management, some 903 applications came in before the deadline passed on Monday. There is no exact date set yet for when. And sales will begin in New York, which is expected to become one of the country's biggest legal cannabis markets. Some historical battle reenactors in New York are holding their musket fire because of worries over the state's new gun laws. That's an unplanned side effect of the law designed to protect general public. The law went into effect this month, declares parks, government property, and a long list of other sensitive places off limits to guns. The rules were geared for more semi-automatic pistols than flintlocks. But reenactors who fear that they would be arrested if they publicly restage battles from the colonial era to the Civil War are staying off the field. Governor Kathy Hochul's administration insists that historical battle reenactments are still okay. Some have still taken place this month, but others have been canceled. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast partly sunny today, high near 60, mostly clear tonight, and with calm winds, that means patchy fog is possible toward morning. A frost advisory is in effect from 1 a.m. until 8 a.m. on Friday. Friday, patchy fog in the morning, otherwise mostly sunny and a high in the mid-60s. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF WMBF.com and 92.1 FM.
1: News Radio 1290,
3: WMBF. Thursday morning, moving forward, 607-772-1290. If you feel... The necessity to contact me by email. The email address is Bob at WNBF.com. Ooh, hey, Ooh, hey, All righty. Let's see. What else is uh, happening? Oh, let's take a call. Yeah, WNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from?
12: Beverly from the town of Dickinson.
3: Well, good morning, Beverly.
12: How you doing?
3: Never better.
12: I'm doing all right. I, yeah, I wanted to talk about Mr. Akshar.
3: You mean Senator Fred Akshar? Yes. Yeah yeah
12: well he did, he did some things in the past, and so there there was two other people that done things in the past.
3: No, but I, I would say, no, them. we all have done things in the past, billions that's and billions. Right. I know at least 8 billion people, okay, not quite 8 billion people, nearly 8 billion people on the planet today have done things in the past. Every Everyone has, has done things that they probably don't want on the front page of uh, the newspaper. Yeah, that's true, you know, but
12: when they get somebody in there, that's, that's, that a high official.
3: They want to take him to the cleaners. Well, look at—I um, don't know—Elliot Spritzer. Spitzer. Um, what? Uh, I really can't believe he did that. Well, who knows? I, I have no idea. I—I I know. I talked. I there. Uh, I, I talked. Uh, I, I talked. I, uh, uh, I talked to Mister Spitzer when he was Attorney General and when he was Governor. He always seemed like an upstanding fellow to me.
12: You know, I mean, but what I'm saying is it's is like that like that, that man, that Josh Riley. Every time I see that commercial that they come up with, it scares me.
3: Well, most of the commercials, most political commercials are designed to scare you. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to scare people, unless it's uh, the other type of commercial. Usually... These days on TV, there are two kinds of campaign commercials. One that are, um, those are the commercials designed to give you a warm, fuzzy feeling about the candidate that they're promoting. And then the other type of commercial is to degrade the opponent to make it s- seem like the person who's running against the warm, fuzzy candidate is. Uh, Terrible, and uh, as they oftentimes say, they use words like, um, what is it, two-something. It's always two-something, and they always have a voiceover guy who's um, able to make, he, he would, if Mother Teresa were still alive today, they could come up with a 30-second spot to make Mother Teresa sound sinister. Yeah, but... Because that's what they do. And why do they do it? Because they know that type of campaign advertising tends to work. They do focus groups, they do research, and they find that that type of campaign advertising that makes it sound like the person who's running against your candidate is um, the worst that could happen, when in fact, in a lot of... I'm not saying every election, but many elections... I know the candidates are in terms of human beings they're probably about equal. Maybe they have different positions on a few things, but it's not it's not as though if uh some one of the candidates was living next door to you that you would be upset. But they make candidates sound sinister. But that's that's why they do those campaign commercials. Yeah, but you know what they have
12: if they have, what if they have- teenagers or something like that and they you know and their father their father is campaigning or something and they say dad are you really
3: that well then of course uh, then of course you tell your son or daughter of course I'm not really that you know me and you know the the caricature they're cri- trying to create is is one of a, a monster and you know me that I'm nothing like what they're trying to portray me as but that's when it comes to politics, some people think that's the way to go. I personally find it appalling, but I also understand the reason why it's done because in many many campaigns, that sort of negative advertising works. So, I don't think it, I don't think it's going to change. We can we can Sound upset about it on the radio on a call-in program, and we could criticize it. But why? Why would they stop if that's the type of advertising that helps them win?
12: I like to see that lady get through, get for sure. I think she do a nice job.
3: Kathleen Newcomb.
12: Yeah. N- yes. No. No. Someone that's running for sheriff.
3: Sure. That's her. Oh. Yeah, she's yeah. a she's a captain with the sheriff's office. And, of course, at one time, years ago, Fred Akshar was a captain in the sheriff's office.
12: Yeah, I know. Well, I realize that. Yeah, so you know,
3: they both have experience in the have, sheriff's office.
12: Yeah, you know, if you're going to run for something, you got to have a clear. A, a clean background, you can't be saying, well, oh, somebody caught me doing this. Woo! I went here, and I...
3: Wait, what about Bill Clinton? Remember Bill Clinton, he, he wagged his finger at me and said he didn't have sex with that woman, and then he went back to work for the American people, and then, despite having some sort of... <clears throat> interaction with his intern he got reelected.
12: Yep. yeah so
3: you know the american public let's be let's be crystal clear whether it's for a local election a state election or a national election the american public has demonstrated time and again the willingness to forgive because voters understand each of us is human each of us has made mistakes And each of us will continue to make mistakes as long as we're alive in this, in this world. We are imperfect and the most important thing, I believe, when we make mistakes, acknowledge mistakes and then move forward and try not to repeat the same mistakes.
12: Yeah, that's true. But they always, they always, they always remember. They don't remember anything good
3: about just well they do they do sometimes but let's i'm sorry you know sometimes especially when people have to resign and it happened with elliot spitzer it happens with um oh my gosh anthony weiner um you know a lot of officials they have to resign because they did some things that were Let's rephrase that. They were accused of doing some things that were um, believed to be inappropriate. So you can forgive, and I think people should be forgiven, but it's also not surprising that if you bring that person's name up, people are going to say, yeah, but didn't he do this, or wasn't he accused of doing that? Well, yeah, that's that's okay to bring up because it's true. As far as, say, with... um, Uh, Andrew Cuomo, he was accused of a lot of things, but he was never charged criminally with anything, and he's never been convicted of anything. So Andrew Cuomo, in the eyes of the law, is as innocent as you are and as innocent as I am, according to the law, because until you're convicted, same with, uh, you know, Elliot Spitzer... Anthony Weiner, Eric Schneiderman, all—all all the names of New York's political past, accused of transgressions, but never convicted criminally.
12: Yeah, but still, that—that that, but that's still in in the writing book.
3: Well, of course it's going to be, and and unfortunately for each person I mentioned, it'll be included in their obituary. I mean, the news coverage, when they die, as eventually we all must, that will be included in in the stories. In some stories, it'll be included very high up because that, that, even despite their public accomplishments, whatever they accomplished as they served in an office, some of those transgressions or allegations overshadowed their accomplishments and Unfortunately, whether it's fair or not, that's not the question. But the reality is that's how many people may be remembered.
12: Uh, there was a person at the nursing home that did something. And, Crips Almighty, I went into their I went into their apartment, and they 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 didn't seem like nothing. You know, they seemed very nice, and uh, you know they walked. The, The husband and wife walked out the the, into the dining room, and they were very well respected. And and uh, when he when he the husband passed away, there was something in there about that he was with the mafia.
3: Well, who knows? Who knows? Everybody, everybody leads an interesting life and so who knows ultimately if you live whether you live to be 20 or 40 or 80 or 100 or 120 you can bet there were things that happened and some things that may have been documented in news stories or otherwise and a lot of things that were never documented and people will in the end say what they will and believe what they will and still say everyone should work to On any given day, try to lead the best life you can. Strive to do what's right at every opportunity. And at times when you do something wrong or make a poor decision, then learn from it. 607-772-1290. You're listening to Bob Joseph on News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM 1290 AM and streaming live at WNBF.com Welcome to
1: 11.25
3: 11.25 at There's WNBF. Mm. The
1: the
3: Ron and Binghamton, good morning. You're on.
1: Hey,
13: Bob. Um, I was driving earlier and listening to the show, and uh, Kathy's news uh, brought up something of interest. Um, I... Um, uh, I learned that uh, Penn State is uh, now going to be allowing uh, beer to be sold at the games. It, it reminded me of a book that I read some time ago. I guess there's another edition of it out. And um, it's called Beer and Circus, uh, the subtitle being How Big Time College Sports is crippling undergraduate education. Uh interestingly it's it's written by a professor of English at Indiana University. His name is Murray Sperber and uh when he was at he was at Indiana University along with Bobby Knight. Do you remember Bobby Knight, the Indiana basketball coach?
3: Well, I've been trying to forget him, but thanks. I'm about about ready to eat lunch in 34 minutes, but thanks. Uh, yeah,
13: well, but it, it's interesting that the author of this book, Beer and Circus, uh, when Bobby Knight got in trouble at Indiana University for his antics and uh, was <laughs> expelled, uh, Murray Sperber, the author, was against Bobby Knight. He was for Bobby Knight leaving the university. And the uproar was so great because Bobby Knight was such a basketball icon at Indiana University that the um, author had death threats against him, like a Salman Rushdie thing. And he, for a year, had to go over the border in Canada uh, because he feared for his life. Uh, he feared for his life because he was against the uh, basketball coach, if you can believe
3: that. Yeah, but, sort of uh, like with uh, people who covered Joe Pa, Joe Paterno. You de- When it comes to reporting on a coach, even in small towns like Binghamton, you better watch out.
13: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, basically, uh, one of the things that is brought out by this book, uh, Beer and Circus, is that we have the idea that uh, sports programs bring in money to the university. That's true. But uh, according to the author, this money does not go toward academic concerns. In fact, it sucks money. Uh, the athletic programs suck money from academics. And uh, the sports programs never make uh, academic uh of uh, departments uh money into the academic departments they they use the money to for the expense of maintaining the athletic programs so the bigger and more prominent sports programs the more money it siphons away from education we think just the opposite that this is great uh that uh colleges are using this money from sports to help educate he says this is exactly the opposite
3: yeah, did they have a chapter about Lois DeFleur?
13: Uh, <laughs> no, Lois isn't in in the book. Uh, well,
3: maybe he'll do a sequel. Maybe he could focus yeah. on Binghamton. That would be a good chapter.
13: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it it just struck me now that you know we're gonna have, we're gonna have beer at uh, Penn State games. That kind of completes the the beer and circus thing. Uh, kids uh, who go to school are often, um, and according to this author, he says about 80% of his students, uh, about 80% of his students that he's been teaching over the years, he says, are kind of there for, for the beer and circus. And the What, colleges perc- what, now, what
3: was the percentage? 80%, 80%. I think he's got it low. I'd say between 99 and and 100% would be a more accurate representation. Well,
13: he, he says that there are 10% of the, of students who are very academically, these are the people that go on for extra degree, you know. But um, they, you know, they still drink. drink.
3: They still well, well they, they still like this, they, they still drink. like beer. I mean, look at the, the kid, Brent Ka- Brett Kavanaugh from the Supremes. He he likes beer. He was a good student to a degree. Well, I mean, I he got his degree, care. so uh, you know he had to be good. I mean, he's now part of the Supremes, so. Um, but yeah, I. And in, in, as far as this Penn State, and I've never—I want to say categorically—I'm going to wave my. Um, I'm going to start waving my finger at people. It's not going to do any good because it's on the radio, unless you're enjoying the streaming feed at WNBF Plus. But I'm going to wag my finger at people and say I have never been to Beaver Stadium at Penn State. So there, I. But now, now with the new rule, I might go. It says you can buy up to two 16-ounce cans of the beer at a time. Two, can you yeah. imagine people who will be there drinking two 16-ounce cans of beer? They're not going to be able to even find the restroom.
13: And they're going to need it. The restroom, that is.
3: Anyway, well, it says the domestic beer's will be $10, and something called specialty selections will be $12. So I guess specialty selections will be Jenny Cream Ale. But uh, I guess more to the point, will um, Harvey Stanger start selling beers over, over in Vestal? Why doesn't he start selling beers over at the sporting events there in Vestal? I've been to, I believe, the sporting events over for the Bearcats, They don't sell beers, do they?
13: Well, Bob, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not against the selling of beer at uh, sport arenas at all. I'm just saying it completes uh, the circle now for why students uh, end up uh, at various schools. And uh, they're therefore, as Murray Sperber says, the extracurricular. Activities uh, which are largely sports oriented in the in these Big Ten schools like Penn State. So there.
3: Well, there you know. So they start with beer this weekend at Beaver Stadium, and then next year weed. You know. So, hey. Well, I'll get to that. Well, and again, it's all part of the university experience. So yeah. And again, for people, you know, if we want to. Stick our heads in the sand and say, "Geez, I, uh, I'm really shocked. I'm really shocked to hear that there are some university students who are enjoying beer and weed." It's like, "Oh yeah," and and the only thing that this has to do with at Penn State or anywhere else where they allow the sale of beers is money, money. That's true of other events, too, not necessarily associated with universities. If other events suddenly allow alcohol sales, it's not because they think people are thirsty or because participants need an opportunity to have a beer. The only thing is the money. Because money, as, as they said in that movie, money is good. <laughs>
13: Well, Bob, you know, in the uh, ancient Coliseum, uh, people went uh, to the Coliseum to see people get destroyed in the arena. And uh, it's uh, analogous to what's happening. If we know about uh, CTE, now we we go to the game, uh, drink our beer, and watch the athletes uh, come down with uh, brain damage from uh, contact sports. So it's, it, it's interesting uh, and another way of um, having our fun and, um, and watching uh, people perform for us. It's a spectator system. You know, it's not about intramural sports for the good of students. It's a spectator event and it shields the university from the decline in so many academic programs uh, by putting on the big sports front
3: well as i say two things in in this country money is good sports is good i think there was a movie about that 1134 wnbf it's all good it's the profit motive speaking of that we'll take a brief time out for a profit motivated announcement or two or three and then i'm scheduled to return Stay tuned. See if I do on WNBF and WNBF.com. WNBF. It's
1: 1137.
3: WNBF will um, possibly take another call. Seems appropriate, 607-772-1290, or email bob at wnbf.com. That's the new song they're playing at Beaver Stadium in State College uh, this weekend. Looking at their uh, hometown paper, the story says the pop of a beer can opening is set to become as ubiquitous during Penn State football games as the We Are Drunk chant and the roar of a Nittany Lion. The university plans to expand beer sales to the public tomorrow when the Nittany Lions play Northwestern at Beaver Stadium. Beer is set to be available throughout the stadium, except near the student section. You can get up to two 16-ounce cans at a time. Uh, Fortunately for the people in State College, Pennsylvania, and they know who they are, I think I know a few of them still working at AccuWeather. (laughs) They'll probably be there, not plunking down $10 for those domestic cans, probably $12 for specialty AccuWeather selections. Can you imagine if they had a craft brew place in State College, somewhere near the AccuWeather headquarters, and they would brew like um, an AccuWeather, what could they call it? Hmm. Marketing, An AccuWeather Breakfast Stout, ABS. AccuWeather Breakfast Stout. I bet they could sell some 16-ounce cans of that at the stadium for 15 bucks. People who are 21 or older will have to scan their ID to obtain a wristband to be able to buy the beer. Plan to sell beer... At the nation's second largest venue, is okayed by the university's board of directors. The new athletic director, Pat Kraft, no relation to Velveeta, has looked for ways to improve the game day experience as college football attendance has declined. All right, there. Hits that nail right on the head. I said it's about the money. The university is likely to lose money the first year in part because of one-time startup costs. By the way, I tend to doubt that, but maybe it's true. Do I think Penn State will really lose money the first year of beer sales at Beaver Stadium? I doubt it, but maybe. You know, it's always possible. I'm always amazed to hear about some projects, and people tell me when they start up a project, oh yeah, well I know you thought we were going to rake in just tons of money from our new project, and then they say, but You know, we took a loss, and sometimes I just shake my head. How could you possibly be selling beers for $12 a can and lose money? But according to this story in the Center Daily Times, um, because of the startup costs. Boy, must be a really, really expensive program. Are they spending millions of dollars for beer stands? story says sales at other universities typically bring in at least hundreds of thousands of dollars that's right at least and my guess is see I I don't know that much about beer sales at universities my guess is at some universities where they're selling the beer that they probably actually make millions in profit but that's just a guess still set Binghamton University start selling beers. Wait, I'm not making a recommendation. What I I would say, Binghamton University should consider whether they should sell beer at their events because they could make a lot of money. And we know that they want lots of money. Or I've been told off the record that there are people there that want lots of money. So... Uh, According to this story, Penn State joins a growing group. They are the ninth of the 14 schools in the Big Ten to sell alcohol at their football games. Half of the schools in the five conferences that generate the most athletic revenue in the NCAA also sell alcohol. Hmm. Five of the trustees voted no. Anyway, kickoff is scheduled for 3.30 tomorrow afternoon if you're going to the game. if by, by the way, I'm sure some of our listeners indeed will go to the game. By the way, got a ticket? I'm kidding. I don't want to go to the game tomorrow. I have, I have stuff that I'll be doing at the time of the game. But uh, if you do go to the Penn State game tomorrow and wind up having a beer, give me a call on Monday to... Provide a review of the experience if you thought that it was a good idea. See, I have no opinion. I just, one thing I know is you can make lots of money if you start selling beers for $12 a can. You could make a lot more money if you start selling beers for $20 a can, but that's not going to happen probably for at least a couple of years. 1144 News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. You wash your hands. WNBF Live taking the calls on a Thursday morning. Anne from Apple good morning. You're on the air.
14: Thank you. Good morning to you too. Um, I'm calling because last night on House Capitals tonight, they had a man on whose name was Ken Chingley, and he is a journalist. In fact, I think she said he was an award winning, I can't remember what the award was. But anyhow, he has a book called The Last American Newspaper. And listening to his views, you you could relate to it because they're very much like your views about how many journalists there used to be and how few there are now and how it's what's part of what's bad is the fact that now you've got all these um, talk shows and stuff where people are giving opinions without journalism.
3: Well, thanks for calling my attention to that. I I just looked it up. It's called... The Last American Newspaper, An Institution in Peril, Through the Eyes of a Small-Town Editor by Ken Tangley. I will invite him on the program. In fact, he oh. uh, it says the book memorializes the American newspaper through the, star, uh, the story of the post-star in Glens Falls. So I will get in touch with him and my plan is to have him on next week. I mean, I I could have him on tomorrow, but I already have a guest for tomorrow. So I'll invite Ken Tingley to come on the program. And my guess is if he was on Capitol tonight, he would be happy to be on our program. And I
14: so, think, sounds I like
3: sounds like he has uh, a lot to discuss.
14: It sounds like you two have got a lot in common. <laughs>
3: yeah, I might invite him to Binghamton and uh, have him in the studio. We could probably spend hours talking about this. Thank you.
14: Okay. Can I just ask you one more question? Of course. Um, you have a person that comes on your show, and he's been offering something about a thousand dollars for some kind of information or something related to Trump. I think you know what I'm referring to. Or mm. I didn't catch it.
1: Now
3: I can't think of it.
14: Is okay. it a commercial? Okay. No, 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 no. One of your callers. Oh, a caller.
3: Who, okay. Yeah. I...
14: Thousand dollars uh, for something or other.
3: Yeah, I'm not recalling that. But if if the person, if the person will call back in and refresh my memory, that would be good. Okay.
14: It, it might not even matter, actually. <laughs> oh, might,
3: might. I I just don't happen to remember it. So thank you for the information about Ken Tingley. I'll I'll try to get him on the program next uh, week.
14: That'd be interesting. Thank you. You have a good weekend.
3: Thank you so much. 11:49 at WNBF. Joan from Binghamton. Good morning.
8: Yes. Good morning. Um, when you were talking about the cost of beer there, I was thinking that the um, biggest cost might be that uh, the insurance policy on the stadium. Because if you don't sell beer, one one type of liability, and if you do sell beer there on the premises to be drunk on the premises, that's another type of liability.
3: That's true. That's true of, these days, any, any uh, event or any, uh, any operation that's selling alcohol, there's a, it's a very significant insurance cost because of potential liability.
8: Yeah, so that might be the biggest cost in, uh, you know, how much they have to charge and uh, how much money they're going to make, et cetera.
3: Well, that's a good point. And that story that I was reading, uh, you know, I I took out some excerpts of the story from the Center Daily Times, the hometown newspaper in State College, Pennsylvania, where Penn Penn State's located. I didn't see any reference to insurance costs, but that would also help to explain why they might not make enough money to break even this season because I I would think the insurance policy, if you're going to have even... It, and it sounds like if you're going to limit people to two 16-ounce cans a time and, and, or per purchase, sounds like they're going to try to have strict control so people don't leave the venue and get into trouble.
8: Well, also, you can have people, if you're selling beer and have beer there, there's less questions asked. Uh, you know, uh, they can sneak beer in.
3: Well, they can, and they will. Because I know I know human nature, and I have no mm-hmm. doubt. You know, I, I even know people, and this is off the record. I know people who still try to sneak in candy to movie theaters to try to circumvent the um, the high cost of concessions at the movies. And it, it, to me, I think that's shameful.
8: Yeah, human. As you said, human nature. The other thing that I hadn't heard for a long time, and I was surprised to hear last night on Fox News was that the trial of that fellow who uh, mowed down with a car at that Christmas parade, I don't know, it was eight people or something like that, number-wise, that his trial was coming up, uh, I think, next week, I think they said.
1: Yeah, and it
3: looks like it should be a slam dunk because, according to the news story, he plans to represent himself at the trial. So I don't think yeah. the trial don't think the trial is going to last too long and probably hate to say that the outcome is preordained because we shouldn't go into a criminal trial thinking the outcome is a foregone conclusion. But this guy who's 40 from Milwaukee, he's accused of 77 criminal counts tied to the Christmas parade tragedy. But I have to say, as, as the cliche goes... Um, What is the cliche? If you represent yourself, you have a fool for an attorney or something. Joe Joe Stanley would know about that. Because I I know in the past when I talked with attorney Joe Stanley that he never thought it was wise for someone who faces a serious legal difficulty to try to represent himself or herself.
8: I guess he wants a platform to air his reasons. I I haven't even heard that there are any, that he's saying any reasons or for doing it.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I haven't followed the case closely. I have to uh, expect that the judge says, uh, the judge, her name is Jennifer Doro. I would think that she's going to keep a, a tight rein on the guy so he doesn't turn it into some sort of circus. Appreciate your call. Thank you, Joan. 1153 at WNBF. Hi, you're on the air. Yeah, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from?
6: Uh, Jetpack Jesse from Owego. You just came up with the perfect retirement plan. After you retire from WMBF, you can open up a craft brewery at every sports event, and I'll even come to work for you.
3: All right. And my first brew will be called Bob's Breakfast Stout.
6: There you go. I can see it all around the nation. Bob's Brewery. (laughs) Yep,
3: You know. Bob's Bob's breakfast out, BBS, when you're having only one.
6: That's the all there's no such thing. That's like a frito.
3: Well, I'm serious though. My breakfast out, it'd be one and done. Because breakfast outs, as a rule, the style, is is not I mean for people who are familiar with craft beer, things like breakfast outs, especially if they've been aged lovingly in a bourbon barrel those are not meant to uh oh yeah let's go have a six pack of bob's breakfast out you'd be out you'd be out for a week or i longer. learned
6: my lesson the i learned my lesson the hard way i did a german chocolate stout beer and i i did the same thing i thought i could handle a little more than one and no i was done. Uh, no nah.
3: oh, and i mean that's that's the thing i mean traditional beer you know, the Coors Light or Budweiser, whatever they call it, you know, the one where that Bud's for you, which now, now with that, that shop down there in a Wego, that takes on a whole new connotation, this Bud's for you, what the heck. But anyway, and they, I guess they shut that one down, but anyway, we're, we're straying from the main point, you know, there there is regular beer that most people would drink, and it's low alcohol, and some people drink a a few of those, but then there are certain craft beers, you're not supposed to have more than one. Or, if you have more than one, you can sip it. I mean, it's not not like, oh, let's... I mean, it's not like you're in college again, or down at a Penn State game. If they started selling those at a Penn State game, half the place would be out of commission by by the halftime show.
6: I can tell you one thing, though. Uh, even Bobby Likas phrased it this way. He says, "Once in a great while, you got to treat your car. So on occasion, you just throw in a little bit of high test because apparently they add some cleaners and some uh, lubricants to it to help your engine." That's the same thing with beer.
3: All right. I don't know. I'm I'm unfamiliar with the concept, Jesse. It's eleven fifty-six at WNBF. Want to save a. bob joseph wishing our listeners and our friends in florida and elsewhere in the southeast the very best as you deal with the damage and disruption caused by hurricane ian thank you for listening on this thursday i'll be back tomorrow morning right here on news radio wnbf binghamton and wnbf.com